Okay, so um, so just start with Mangala Charan, and then we'll we'll get going with today's uh, session. Um, Om Jnana Timirandasya Yananjana Shalakaya Chakshurum Militum Yena Tasmai Shri Guruve Namaha Siddhanto Palasara Nityarasikam Hangsang Vilasatmakam Audaryakya Siddhama Sevakadanam Vishrambhakti Pradam Yakya Yukti Vichakshanam Thakabito Vaishishta Shakya Sada Vandehang Triparari Namakam Shakti Vedantinam Bancha Kalpatarubhyascha Kripa Sindhubhyevacha Patitanam Bhavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha Ajano Lambita Bujao, Kanakavatao, Sankirtanaika Patarao, Kamalaya Takshao, Vishwamarao, Dijavarao, Yukatarama Palao, Pandijaka Priyakaro, Karuna Vatarao, Pandeshri Krishna Chaitanya, Nityananda Sohotito, Godadae Pushpavanto, Chitro Shandotamonudao, Pandehang Sri Ramakrishna Abhaya Charanasukau Sukadao Paramanando Sundaro Subalo Priyo He Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dina Bandhu Jagapate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanchana Gorangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Krishavanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Vandana Karite Mui Kata Shakti Thari Tamabuti doshe mui dambamatra kori, tatapi mukera bhagya manera ulas, doshakshami moadame koruni jadas. Hare Krishna, welcome everybody. Oh, I see your message in Angamandri. I, I allowed you to record again, so I guess I'll make you co-host again like last time, because I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, Oh, so I should I should make you co-host or no? Yeah, because I've I've allowed you to record. It says um, yeah, that's okay. So I remove permission, and then I'm allowing you to record local files. Did that help? No. Shall I shall I try making you co-host or does it make no difference? Give it a go. Okay. No problem. Okay. So we cross fingers, <laughs> fold our palms. So, uh, welcome back, everybody. Um, thanks for joining us uh, in this last session of this particular series, at least. Um, the Psychology of Raj, which of course is our desired disposition. Um, and as you know, we've been exploring uh, some of the psychological traits of the Rajvasis and thinking about how we may be able to take some inspiration uh, from them in our own practice as sadhakas. So we've discussed their selflessness uh, particularly in relation to Krishna. And we also explored how they don't see Krishna as God, 
even though they embrace Krishna being the center of existence uh, to the topmost degree, you could say. And then last time, we explored their tendency to see Krishna everywhere, even when he's not physically present before them. They're always thinking of Krishna. Everything in the environment reminds them of Krishna. And through hearing more and more about Krishna, we similarly want to be reminded of Krishna by our environment. And so hopefully one day it will come from such a deep thirst and love as the Rajvasis have. So our sadhana helps us in this direction, uh, being powerful, very powerful practices in themselves, but also as an opportunity to have some, at least some dedicated time remembering Krishna. In connection with this, we, we discussed the practice of kirtan and how, how it can especially help us think of Krishna, never forget him, and also develop more and more feeling for him. We, so we explored how the Vrajvasis themselves are often performing kirtan in one way or another. And so we can take that example to help in our own pursuit of love of Krishna. Uh, we also have the kirtans and bhajans of our acharyas, for example, who themselves were absorbed in thoughts of Krishna and Raj while they were writing them. And this principle includes hearing kirtan also. So especially in the form of Srimad Bhagavatam and the supplementary literatures and these kind of things. So uh, as we know, to really be able to always sing kirtan, it's no small thing to always sing kirtan, right? 24-7, anyone who's even tried, maybe in, in the beginning we think, okay, I've heard all I need to do is chant all the time, but it may not always work out so well, um, or we may not be so successful. So we, we've been given a hint uh, as to how we may be able to, of course, that we need to develop humility, tolerance, respect for all others, and not look for respect for ourselves, as uh, Mahaprabhu points out in the, the third verse of the Shikshashtakam. But even that's not always so easy. And of course, it's said that this is a natural characteristic of someone at the stage of Nishta. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't try to develop these qualities before Nishta, alongside praying for the ability to act in such a way when we may fall short at times. So, similar to the second verse of the Shikshashtakam, which may correspond more for many of us, that just as we may lament, okay, I don't really have a taste for the name, and try to at least act in a way that hopefully we can help cultivate a taste through our sadhana, for example, through service and these things. Um, similarly, we may lament when we fall short of these four principles of the third verse of the Shikshashtakam. So we're, we're encouraged to always remember these four principles. As Srila uh, Krishnadas Kaviraj um, points out that we should wear it around our neck, for example. And so this, this third quality of these, these principles of honoring or respecting all others ties in nicely with the characteristic of the Vrajvasis that we will explore today. So the Vrajvasis, although being the topmost persons in, in existence, uh, in, at least in relation to their intimacy with Krishna, they're not proud of that fact, that they're the, the greatest devotees in existence, but they're not, they're not proud of that. They're, they're blissful to be in such a relationship with Krishna, but they really embody all these principles of the third verse of the Shikshashtakam. It's part of their DNA. They respect all others, whoever they may be, 
And so we'll explore this in relation to the fact that Vrindavan is a land of harmony, it's sometimes said, and how we may take something from that ourselves, especially developing eyes of appreciation for all kinds of devotees um, and all, all, all beings, really. <laughs> but I think it's a particularly important characteristic. The Gaudiya Vaishnav community, for example, is continuously growing. Uh, so there's so much outreach going on. And so naturally, there's, there's a much larger section of devotees who may not be able to grasp even nuanced understandings of Gaudiya philosophy that is more commonly found in the Madhyam Adhikari, for example. And that may be so for us also. Uh, as a result, there can be a tendency towards black, more, you know, black and white kind of thinking rather than gray thinking at times. And this isn't a bad thing in itself. It's a stage of bhakti. And like I say, we may have this tendency ourselves at times with honest reflection, maybe in certain certain areas of our understanding and so on. But it's important to at least understand that apart from the fact we don't have the full picture of everything, we're all constantly learning, we're students forever, as it said, we must also have respect for others, even if we don't fully understand them. Uh, and the more we learn about Krishna and the Vrajvasis, especially, the more we'll be able to accommodate all types of faith and understandings and resulting traditions or schools of thought without taking away from our own convictions in, in our own path. So earlier in spiritual life, this may be a bit more difficult to do when our faith is a little more tender and we're hypersensitive to threats. Um, but at least by understanding this theoretically, especially hearing we can err on the side of caution in interactions with others. Because as we hopefully know, <laughs> all, all sincere spiritual seekers and religious people are, are worshipping God according to their degree of faith. And so that should be honoured, not stamped on. Sometimes our Guru Maharaj points out that faith is our deity, not our doormat. And so it's, it's unfortunate when sometimes we may see fanaticism there combining with sectarianism uh, to the extent of disparaging anyone who doesn't hold the same understanding we do. And unfortunately, it can be all too common, even in um, the Gaudiya world at times. But it can be particularly damaging or stunting to one's spiritual life if that is fanned rather than corrected and grown out of. So edu education about these things is very important. Um, as we know, those in the, the topmost realm of Raj, they, they can accommodate all, and that accommodation has to be there even to enter Raj in the first place. Uh, there, there are many examples. I'm not going to go into many examples of how this may come up uh, today, because we're going to focus more on the psychology of the Rajvasis. But, you know, sometimes we, we can see this um, misunderstanding that Padmanabha Maharaj has coined ra uh, Rasism, where other Rasas, for example, are downplayed, uh, forgetting that Krishna's Rasaraj, the king of all Rasas. And it's usually quite clear that it, it's often done in, in maybe a bit of an immature way without proper knowledge of what it means to serve in Vrindavan, as we've been learning about what it means to serve in Vrindavan, that everyone in Vrindavan is working together to please Krishna, 
even even when it may not seem so on the surface there's no trace of enmity that often arises unfortunately in these type of discriminations that the age of social media and um, have just having fragmented knowledge cultivates so in a more general way uh even outside of just Vrindavan, an understanding of Vrindavan, sometimes we may see devotees uh, can disparage other spiritual ideals or speak, speak down about other spiritual ideals, both within Vrindavan and outside Vrindavan. And so uh, we want to do our best to avoid any enmity toward other jivas. We, we, we should try to cultivate a mood of being well-wishers, at least, to, to the extent we can, of course from where we are, uh, and, and also to other spiritual practitioners, what to speak of other Vaishnavas. So let's, let's begin exploring this with describing the nature of Rindavan itself. So I'm going to read um, from our, our Guru Maharaj, Srila um, Bhaktivedanta Tripurari Maharaj. Um, he, he, this is from a Q&A Sangha, so I'm going to read quite a few things from a Q&A Sangha. For those not familiar, there used to be um, uh, kind of questions and answers uh, via, via email and these things like an email newsletter, and they've been compiled. And there's, there's a wealth of information in there um, and very inspiring answers to different questions. But um, I thought it'd be nice to read some of these things for those who may not have heard them and also Maybe some of the Spanish-speaking devotees ha haven't heard some of these things because uh, maybe they've not been translated. But this is so. This is from one of these Q and A sanghas. Mother Yashoda, of course, is in a little anxiety about Krishna walking barefoot, but Krishna replies, "You don't have to worry. Vrindavan is such a nice place. There are beautiful deer dusting the trails." making them soft and sandy like beaches. The cows walk ahead and break the ground and soften it for me to walk upon. And the trees bend down and sweep the trails, making everything very soft. In Vrindavan, the whole environment rises up to serve Krishna in every way. Mother Yashoda is concerned about his tender feet and the young gopis are also concerned. But Krishna assures them there is no cause for concern. Still, they remain concerned. The nature of Rindavan Dham, the abode of the Lord, is such that it facilitates the service of Krishna in every way. So as we've discussed in previous sessions of this series, Vrindavan's that place where the fact Krishna is the center is not only known but embraced to the topmost degree everything and everyone's there to serve krishna in the way he likes the most it's a very harmonious place in a discussion on the brahma vimohan leela our guru maharaj recalled um, the following sweet interaction that he had with srila prabhupada um, that brings out some of these things once at gita nagari Prabhupada spoke about Vrindavan. We were standing in the barn, and there were elders and children, cows and calves. There was a dog and a cat, and a mouse ran by. Everybody noticed the mouse. It ran right in front of Prabhupada. Suddenly, Prabhupada turned and said with big eyes, Did you see it? 
the adults and the children, the cows and calves, the cat and the dog, and the mouse, all living harmoniously. This is Vrindavan. The next morning, Prabhupada turned to me again and asked, Did you see it? See what, Prabhupada? I asked. He said, They were the cows and the calves, the adults and the children, the cat, the dog, and the mouse, all living harmoniously. This is Vrindavan. A few minutes later, as we were stepping onto the bus to go back to New York, Prabhupada turned to me a third time and said, Did you see it? This time I replied, Yes, I saw it. And I thought, I'm seeing you, and this is Vrindavan. Wherever you are, that is Vrindavan. Wherever you look, that is Vrindavan. You have the kind of vision that can harmonize all things. As it will be stated later in the narrative of this Leela, Yatra Naisarga Durvaira Sahasan Nrumrgadayaha Mitrani Vajitavasa Druta Ruttarshakadikam Vrindavan is that place where there is no hunger or thirst, and beings naturally inimical to one another live in harmony. This harmony that is realized in selfless love in Vrindavan. As Sri Jiva Goswami has said, Vraj implies that place in which all things are completely appropriate. We are not to deny anything, rather to find the appropriate center around which all things can be harmonized. This center is Krishna, and real service to Krishna involves loving one another in concurring to love Krishna. So there's a, a beautiful glimpse into the psychology there. So this verse that was quoted, uh, Guru Maharaj quoted there, from the 10th uh, canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, the 13th chapter, as we say in the Brahma Vimohan Lila, it's verse 60. So the verse uh, that said, Vrindavan is the transcendental abode of the Lord, where there is no hunger, anger, or thirst. Though naturally inimical, both human beings and fierce animals live there together in transcendental friendship. So Srila Prabhupada, Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, he gives a really nice purport to this verse also that I thought was worth reading. The word van means forest. We are afraid of the forest and do not wish to go there. But in Vrindavan, the forest animals are as good as demigods, for they have no envy. Even in this material world, in the forest, the animals live together, and when they go to dr drink water, they do not attack anyone. Envy develops because of sense gratification, but in Vrindavan, there is no sense gratification, for the only aim is Krishna's satisfaction. Even in this material world, the animals in Vrindavan are not envious of the sadhus who live there. The sadhus keep cows and supply milk to the tigers, saying, come here and take a little milk. Thus, envy and malice are unknown in Vrindavan. That is the difference between Vrindavan and the ordinary world. We are horrified to hear the name of Van, the forest, but in Vrindavan there is no such horror. Everyone there is happy by pleasing Krishna. 
Krishna Kirtana Gana Nartana Paro. Whether a Goswami or a Taiga or other ferocious animal, everyone's business is the same to please Krishna. Even the Taigas are also devotees. This is the specific qualification of Vrindavan. In Vrindavan, everyone is happy. The calf is happy. The cat is happy. The dog is happy. The man is happy. Everyone. Everyone wants to serve Krishna in a different capacity, and thus there is no envy. One may sometimes think that the monkeys in Vrindavan are env envious because they cause mischief and steal food. But in Vrindavan, we find that the monkeys are allowed to take butter, which Krishna himself distributes. Krishna personally demonstrates that everyone has the right to live. This is Vrindavan life. Why should I live and you die? No, that is material life. The inhabitants of Vrindavan think, whatever is given by Krishna, let us divide it as prasad and eat. This mentality cannot appear all of a sudden, but it will gradually develop with Krishna consciousness. By sadhana, one can come to this platform. So apologies um, for all the quote reading at the moment, um, but I thought a lot of nice points are brought out in relation to the, this trait of harmonious living and appreciating others and express better than I would have been able to myself. But it goes back as I say, to this, the importance of Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. Otherwise, it, it can be easy to get confused, uh, especially when we come across uh, contradictory statements, for example, or high expressions of bhava, and, and reading them with our own material conditioning, and then maybe developing attitudes that aren't really of that harmonious nature that we find in the psychology of Raj even in the name of wanting to be a Vrajvasi. It happens all too often, unfortunately. So, like the Vrajvasis, if we truly understand Krishna to be the object of love, to be the center, then actually we will glorify the other relationships that others have with Krishna. Even in Vraj, they glorify each other. Uh, sometimes I've heard our Guru Maharaj say that there may be soft enemies, uh, this term soft enemies, but actually they're all friends in the Leela underlying it all. All the feelings nourish each other's feelings with Krishna, who, who is the centerpiece. Everyone wants to please Krishna. And so friendships and other kinds of relationships, uh, even amongst each other, they all nourish each other's relationship with Krishna. We, we, we know uh, I'm sure we've heard time and time again, no one can please Krishna more than Radha. You know, so especially in our school, service of Radha is emphasized. So we aren't trying to compete with Radha, for example, but we're trying to assist her. But sometimes even this can be understood a little superficially. We may hear, as I was saying, come across high-level expressions above, for example, the famous uh, one that comes to mind to me is, is Raghunath Das Goswami that, um, you know, saying that we care only for Krishna and not, uh, sorry, we care only for Radha and not for Krishna. You know, sometimes these moods are expressed or that um, we only like Krishna because Radha likes Krishna. Sometimes you, you might hear these statements, but sometimes with, with an immature understanding, there can be a material projection on this high emotional expression. 
and it can be repeated without much philosophical understanding or realization ourselves. But properly understood, even these high-level expressions from Vrajvasis, like Raghunathas Goswami, who, who is a Vrajvasi himself, of course, they, they have an underlying logic rooted um, deeply with Krishna being the center, that, that that's still there, as, as we discussed in part one, that he's always Shakti Man, uh, the source of all Shakti, the source of all potencies, and Radha is the Shakti. And of course, the relationship between the two is that topmost pleasure for Krishna. Krishna loves the most his relationship with Radha, you could say, you know, that's really why he derives the most pleasure from. But by knowing Radha, Radha is the most pleasing to Krishna on a really deep level through the lens of Tattva, where we know Krishna is the center, we will naturally want to assist Radha and to serve her. And Krishna will be most pleased as, as Radha is most dear to Krishna. Not, not obviously in a diplomatic mood, uh, there's deep love for Radha also, but remember, the psychology there in Vrindavan is all to serve and please Krishna, who's the center of Raj. So just as just um, the residents of Raj serve Krishna and ultimately the divine couple, um, they, they do so in different ways, but it's all to serve Krishna and the divine couple. Um, our Guru Maharaj sometimes says that the math underlying it all is, always, is to always please Krishna. Even when on the surface, even the gopis, for example, may seem to dismiss Krishna and have this kind of attitude. So in Vrindavan, as we say, in everything is Krishna-centered, whereas in the material world, as we know, everything is generally self-centered. And this is one of the reasons why many of our acharyas have warned about entering into these kind of topics prematurely, that if we don't have good guidance to give proper understanding, it can be easy to project material understandings on the psychology of the Rajvasis and even use these things in a way that is more self-centered than genuinely the selfless expressions of love that we find in Raj. So although it's nice to hear these um, sweet pastimes and, and even the exchanges above and so on, we shouldn't neglect the practices that cleanse the heart uh, of selfishness and as we, as we make progress, it's true, we will develop, you know, natural affinities to particular devotees. It's natural we'll have a particular affinity for our own guru and these kind of things, for example. But we should also develop and have an objective lens to look through as well. And this is shaped by Shastra to properly understand higher expressions of affinity for one devotee or another. So this is why the Shastra is also often emphasized, that seeing through the eyes of Shastra, as it's sometimes said, because it's true there, there is a hierarchy, even, even in Vraj, but it's important to understand that the psychology isn't one where one looks down on another or even considers oneself being better. There, there's a common bond there. So we, we should understand um, more, you know, what this hierarchy is about, because even outside of Raj, from a material lens, from a material standpoint, anyone liberated from the material world is materially selfless. Everyone in the spiritual world, wherever, are selfless. Um, we shouldn't think that Rukmini, Uddhava, 
and other great associates of Krishna are selfish in any way when we say that the love of the Vrajvasis are the most selfless. Even these degrees of selflessness are degrees of spiritual selflessness. It's not related to the material world in any way. I've heard our Guru Maharaj uh, point out that it's better to acknowledge the hierarchy than to try to understand it with the intellect, for example. You know, we shouldn't project a material understanding onto it as if any of the residents of Raj are any less pleasing to Krishna than another, or even those in their proper role in Krishna's other leelas. So, re so related to our previous discussion on Krishna being God and not being God, we can understand in one way that the hierarchy really involves the degree to which the Aishvarya or knowledge of Krishna being, uh, being God is predominant in the relationship. How much does that affect the relationship? Those in Dwaraka are also pure devotees, but you could say that their, their bhakti is more influenced by knowledge of Krishna's position as God than, than the Vrajvasis, where the love they experience doesn't take that into consideration in the slightest. But to focus more on Vraj for, uh, at the moment, properly understood, all the rasas of the residents of Raj nourish or enhance the Madhurya that Krishna experiences with Sri Radha. So we're often taught how, how even Madhurya Ras, for example, is the topmost in these things. But we should understand that none are less important than another in creating that full experience of Rasa. Even those incompatible rasas, like Vatsalya, for example, they're needed to create the intrigue and drama and so on and all these other, other things. And they're all dear to Krishna. They're all very dear to Krishna's heart. And they all work in harmony to please Krishna to the highest degree. So when we hear statements that one must please or serve Radha to please Krishna, for example, uh, we shouldn't, uh, you know, a common misunderstanding can be that we, this refers only to, to the mandaris, for example. I'm not going to go too much into that. It's beyond my, my adhikar for the most part. But it's sometimes misunderstood. And, and, and so, you know, sometimes it may be thought that other devotees aren't serving Radha. You know, it's only that they're the only section. The gopis and the mandaris are the only ones serving Radha. But we shouldn't think that Subal or Yashoda and others aren't serving Radha, for example. They all serve Madhurya Ras and Radha in different ways, while having their own Rasa also. And actually, this all comes from Radha in her own expressive nature to please Krishna in different ways. So we need to understand the whole picture. So I really appreciate um, some points that highlight these points that Srila Bhakti Rakshak Sridadev Maharaj makes um, in his commentary on the Gayatri Mantra. So I'm, I'm just going to read a section fr from there. In my Sanskrit commentary on the Gayatri Mantra, I have written, Dira Radhanam Evananyaditi Tadrada Padam Dhimahi. All other services are represented fully in Radhika. Like branches, they are all part of her. Madhura Ras is the chief or Mukya Ras, the combination of all Rasas. Srimati Radharani is Mahabhav. She represents the entire serving attitude. The flute song of Sri Krishna, expressed as the Gayatri Mantra, is reminding us 
and engaging us in our service. And what is our service? Our service must be to surrender ourselves in the service of Srimati Radharani, to accept the suggestion of Radharani. The Gayatri Mantra will excite us to be mindful about Srimati Radharani's lotus feet, to obey her orders. She is mainly representing the whole service area. So to try to engage ourselves in her service, under her order, to accept her direction and to obey her, that is the service of Sri Radha. In this way, the meaning of the Gayatri Mantra has been drawn to Radha Dasyam, self-determination, Svarupena Vyavastiti. In the meantime, the partial representations in Vatsalya and Sakyaras are also part and parcel of the original mellow of conjugal love, Madhura Ras. The Vatsalya Ras devotees will serve Nanda and Yashoda. The Sakya Ras devotee will serve Sridham and Sudham. But ultimately, the whole system in one conception is included in Radharani. Radha Dasyam, the service of Srimati Radharani, is the ultimate meaning to be extracted from the Gayatri Mantra. That is the supreme end of our life. It cannot but be so. Srimad Bhagavatam is the ultimate or full-fledged theism to be extracted from the Vedas, Upanishads and so many scriptures. All the revealed truth rises to its acme, to its highest position in the conception given by Srimad Bhagavatam. And Srimad Bhagavatam teaches us that the highest realization, self-determination, is the service of Srimati Radharani that under her guidance we may serve Sri Krishna. We aspire for a direct connection with her service. What then is the inner meaning or purport of the word Bhargo? Bhargo means the sun or who shows us by light. Radharani is the daughter of Rishabhanu. I have selected the word Bhanu to, rep to represent her personal extended self. I have given the word Vaibhav. Vaibhav means what comes out, or extended self. Prabhav is the central representation, and Vaibhav is the outer extension. The very gist of Swarup Shakti is Srimati Radharani, and the whole Swarup Shakti is her extended self. The town of her beautiful service is the whole Swarup Shakti. Just as rays of light extend from the sun, the whole internal potency is an extension of Mahabhav, Sri Radhika. She has developed herself into such a beautiful area of brilliance, of internal energy, and thereby she serves her Lord. All these necessary things have sprung from her. To help her in serving her Lord, they all come out. When the entire internal energy is condensed in a concise form, it is Mahabhav, Radharani. And when Radharani wants to serve, she extends herself in limitless different ways. And with some contribution from Baladev and Yogamaya, the whole spiritual world, including Vrindavan, Mathura and Vaikuntha, evolves to assist Srimati Radharani in the service of Sri Krishna. So I, I really like 
many of these points, but especially in the context of today, uh, that the whole spiritual world evolves to assist Srimati Radharani in the service of Sri Krishna, and it's all an expression from her. And I feel this is why often we would see, especially Srila Prabhupada, for example, would emphasize um, that on the spiritual platform, it's all absolute, that no service is better than another. In material consciousness, we have a tendency to create disharmony, to want ourselves to be the center, that my, my chosen spiritual ideal is better than yours, or my service is better than yours. And it may be to us, but maybe not for that other person. Ultimately, what we want our spiritual ideal to be is to be something that's based on embracing Krishna as the center compared to wanting ourselves to be the center. And of course, the nature of how that ideal comes to us is a whole series in itself. But the point is, we should recognize when approaching this highest realm, where all the associates are most dear to Krishna, we've got to be very careful not to project our material conception of hierarchy. We should take the psychology of the Rajvasis and be able to harmonize all things and show respect for all. We, we have to remember that Radha and Krishna are the center. Krishna is the center, as we established, and Radha is that person who gives Krishna the most pleasure. So everything and everyone revolves around the pastimes of this couple. Every role is there for a reason, and they all serve that same center. Each person has a unique relationship and a loving mood that also brings Krishna immeasurable pleasure, and he perfectly reciprocates. So, so they also appreciate each other's contribution to that center also, because everyone wants Krishna to be happy. So they're all serving Radha, directly or indirectly. And we should understand any differences in this spirit. A, a nice excerpt from a Sangha, another Sangha of our Guru Maharaj, where he, he expresses these ideas in a way applicable to what we're discussing. He says, Apparent contradictions are resolved in one of two ways based on the nature of the contradiction. One kind of apparent contradiction is eventually understood to be a difference based on rasa, and when properly understood, serves to further charm the sadhaka as the spice of variety that makes Vaishnavism the sweet life that it is. An example of this is the disagreement that eternally exists between Vatsalya and Madhurya rasas. Simply put, Yashodamai very much wants her son Krishna to have a good night's sleep, while the gopis, headed by Sri Radha, want him to leave the house and dance with them in the Vrindavan night. Differences, however, exist not only between different rasas, but within the same as well. There are left-wing gopis and right-wing gopis. The gopis, headed by Chandravali, always take the side of Krishna, while those who are in Radha's group always take her side to the extreme. Some devotees hold that the Yamuna is the topmost place of worship, while our group, headed by Sri Rupa, places greater emphasis on Radha-kund. 
And then a little later in that same transcript, he says, We aspire for the service of Srimati Radharani and her kund. Others may emphasize the Yamuna or the importance of Krishna, like the followers of Chandravali Gopi, who is right. Radhakund may be the most sacred place where the most intimate pastimes of Sri Sri Radha Krishna are enacted. Yet reality is ultimately a feeling. We may give someone knowledge and they agree that we are right, yet they will continue to act otherwise because reality is ultimately a feeling. This is absolutely so. Therefore, even though Radha Kund is the highest abode of love, some feel otherwise, and they are not entirely wrong in that. Differences must be there. To find the higher harmony is the beauty of Vaishnavism. Chandravali is, after all, an expansion of Radharani. So, it's natural we will feel what we're pursuing is the highest, uh, and especially, you know, with the gift we've been given particularly, but and any anyone pursuing um, spiritual life will feel that what they're pursuing is the highest. But we're also encouraged to see through the eyes of Shastra, through Tattva, and we're warned about seeing Rasa with material vision, thinking that one is higher or better in another way, in a, mund in a mundane way. All rasas are complete. The measure of intimacy may be higher, but the subjective experience of each devotee one f uh, is that one feels their relationship is best. But we may think, okay, I can I can accept that all the Vrajvasis, they're all wonderful, and 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 accept this point, and we've got this window of opportunity in the Gaudiya lineage, and think Vraj is the best, Vrindavan's the best. But then maybe think all other rasas outside of Raj, well, we, we don't care for those at all. Uh, I've seen sometimes uh, immature devotees may have a negative view, view toward them. Uh, sometimes even innocently, they're just repeating something they've heard. But this, this negative attitude would be a mistake also. Yes, we're in a particular lineage, but we shouldn't think that other genuine spiritual ideals aren't serving Radha, for example, in a general sense, maybe not directly in, in the way we may understand in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, but in a general sense, related to what Srila Sridhar Maharaj was expressing in the quote we read earlier. It may not be our ideal, but we should understand them through the eyes of Tattva, especially if we're not genuinely on the level of Bhava ourselves especially so we can have healthy relationships and interactions, both within our own Sampradaya, but also outside of it also. Uh, we want healthy interactions and healthy relationships, right? Uh, so Krishna reciprocates as he's approached, and that's true of everyone following whatever they decide to follow. And it's true we will have our bias, you said that's the nature of love, but it, it won't be at the disparagement of others' love, of looking down upon others' love. Uh, we, we have a certain emphasis. And objectively speaking, we may speak about the degrees of intimacy with Krishna. But we should understand that all types of genuine love are perfect. 
sometimes that's why this phrase is used perfect, more perfect, and most perfect. Sometimes you hear this. Um, so, so a small quote also from a Q&A Sangha. I really drew from the Q&A Sanghas today um, from our Guru Maharaj. Um, Gaudiya Vaishnavas, Gaudiya Vaishnavas are all accommodating. They come from the Raj, Vrindavan, with the very concept of the place is all accommodating. So we have to be fully tolerant and learn to accommodate all types of religious ideals seeing them as various heights along the great mountain of truth from which people have gazed and spoken as noble steps on the ladder to the highest ideal of Krishna consciousness. So we discussed this point a little in the first session, how everything get else gets their relative value according to how much they reflect Vrindavan. We, we can also look at this in another way, how they all serve that center point and nourish the topmost expressions of love in Vraj, directly or indirectly. It, it's said in the Padma Purana, for example, that all manifestations of the Dham are the manifestations or expansions of Vrindavan. As we mentioned in the first session, it's not that Vrindavan is the highest in relation to our angle of vision, where this plane or material world is the measuring point. But actually, uh, that's the center, you could say that the point from where every, everything else is measured. Vraj is where Krishna is most at home. So other places are graded according to how much they have the kind of qualities where God takes the most pleasure. That's the measuring route from which all other dharms get their gradation. So, But in one sense, all these other dhams serve the Raj in another way also to highlight the beauty and excellence of Raj. So like Dwaraka, Mathura, and also other places like Vaikuntha, we often hear this. The, the, the devotees there, they're serving perfectly. All the devotees there are serving perfectly there. They all have their own bhav there, which is perfect subjectively for them. And actually, they're also serving the divine couple in the highest sense for them in particular, as it's also shining a light on the excellence of the Vrajdham. And also even the serving ego that is found there is coming from Sri Radha, as we, we were hearing earlier on. It doesn't come from an external source. It also comes from Sri Radha ultimately. So Vaikuntha is lower, for example, only in the sense of the degree of intimacy or potential for rasa is sometimes said. So we, we say Raj is sweeter. Uh, and of course, there are many good arguments for, for why that's the case. Um, and as we previously discussed, some of that also. But we should understand that even in Vaikuntha planets, for example, the devotees, they're all pure also, and they're all surrendered to Narayan. There isn't any material tinge there. Take someone like Hanuman even. Um, Hanuman, he's the perfect example of Dasyaras, for example, in relation to Lord Ram. And I think it would be a bit silly, and we probably all feel this way anyway, naturally, to think that he's lacking in perfection. He's attached to Ram, and Ram is attached to him. So their love is glorious. Uh, you may be familiar with the story of Anupam 
who was the brother of Rupa and Sanatana Goswamis in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, uh, is described how he was a great Ram Bhakta and he couldn't stop worshipping Ram even after he had been given the tattva of Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, if you will, in one sense, by Rupa and Sanatana Goswami, who were Vrajvasis themselves. They gave, you know, they had these discussions overnight. And Mahaprabhu, on hearing these, this, he said in relation to them, in, in re relation to him, sorry, to Anupam, uh, that glorious is that devotee who cannot give up his Lord, and glorious is that Lord who cannot give up his devotee. So very, very beautiful expression. So the highest, highest rasa is the one that a devotee pers personally cherishes. There isn't really a higher rasa, even though we say from a neutral perspective that Madhurya Ras is the highest, for example. And this doesn't take away from the gopi's glorious position, but at the same time, it doesn't take away from other great devotees of the Lord, which is a bit more dangerous ground to stand on. So, but when we have the proper conception um, through the Isatattva, and, and through especially trying to imbibe more and more the psychology of the Vrajvasis themselves, we'll have eyes of appreciation for all in how they serve that most wonderful divine couple in some way. The moods of Vrindavan are nourished by others' moods in different ways. So all relationships are celebrated by the Vrajvasis. There's no real competition because the psychology there is such that um, any kind of win, if someone wins, you know, it's the enhanced, the, the result of that is the enhanced pleasure of Krishna. That's what a win is for someone in Vrindavan, is the enhanced pleasure of Krishna. So everyone wins because everyone's goal is the same there. So there, there's no real sectarianism for this reason. There may be camps, uh, but there's no enmity or animosity toward each other, which unfortunately we find on this plane even amongst uh, Gaudias sometimes. But we, we want to learn more and more to have these eyes of appreciation uh, like the Vrajvasis. If we see others very dedicated to the Lord, even in, in other traditions, we, we should appreciate that and maybe even take something from it ourselves and what to speak when it's our particular Lord, Krishna in, in Vraj. We see that the Vrajvasis themselves, they celebrate all, all relationships. Uh, take the gopis who have the highest rasa in regards to the intimacy they have with Krishna. They give of themselves completely to Krishna to such a degree that even the social, social structure, the rules of the society they live in and these things, they're all ignored in pursuit of pleasing Krishna. They, they leave their husbands, as we know, and they go to the forest, for example. But even they, those devotees, don't have pride that they're the topmost devotees, that we have the highest thing and look down upon others. Rather, they self-deprecate their own position, as they're unable to be close in the way that others in, in Raj, for example, can. So there are famous examples where they, they appreciate the Gopas' ability to spend all day with Krishna, for example, and the opportunity to embrace Krishna in front of everyone. And we see also when Uddhava comes, for example, some of you may have heard Padmanabha Maharaj's um, 
Pramaragita series, um, when Uddhava comes, you know, they, they all show him such great respect. Uh, and there are many examples like this. Durvasa Muni um, in the Gopal Tapani Upanishad is shown respect, for example. And so we, we must take, take this same mood, as it can be dangerous, especially um, when we're discussing those on the highest position. If we have any negative uh, feelings toward them, we should remember that they're all perfect. All of them are perfect. We, we don't have the bhav of, of Raghunath Das Goswami, for example. And if we want it, we, we need to know and realize the tattva as well as he does. Um, we need to have that same psychology of a Vrajvasi. Our Guru Maharaj wrote in, in another Q&A, he wrote, we should be very careful when discussing the position of persons like Advaita Acharya, he is God himself and a personal associate of Mahaprabhu. If we denigrate him in any way, we will go down. The Vraja Gopis worship even the sun god. What to speak of Narayan? Their bhakti is characterized by the humility and respect for others mandated by Mahaprabhu that extends to even the inanimate. Vraj Bhakti is not merely a theory that we can gather in our head by collecting information. It is not a cheap thing that can, we can wave about and denigrate, even God with, thinking it our property merely because we have heard about it. It involves giving up selfishness and entering the domain of self-forgetfulness. Smaranam involves Maranam. We must die in this plane of material ego to live in the plane of dedication and love. So we, we want to develop this psychology of the Vrajvasis, of honoring all devotees. Now that doesn't mean we will nece necessarily serve intimately with them. Naturally, as we make further progress and our specific mood becomes more specific, we will want more and more to be focused on being nourished by those devotees whose mood nourishes our personal ideal. Uh, Srila Rupa Goswami in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, he mentions in regards to Sadhu Sangha that the kind of association we really want is like-minded as well as superior and affectionate. So he, so he makes this point about like-mindedness. But we do want to follow in the psyche of Raj in relation to interacting with others. So the last quote I'd like to read, uh, also from, from um, our Guru Maharaj, from a discussion on Lord Ram. Occasionally, we see devotees who have real bhav speak strongly about the devas or other incarnations of Krishna. But this is on the basis of their own real spiritual sentiment. The gopis are the greatest devotees, but they are offering pranams to the trees and forest creatures of Vrindavan. What to speak of Hanuman and Prahlad? They are showing the standard, Trinadapi Sunichena, being more humble than a blade of grass. We have to come to that platform, and we will do that by respecting what to speak of Ram, Nursinga, or Vamana, but every living being. That is the standard of Mahaprabhu, Amanina Manadena, 
showing respect to all and expect no honor for oneself. If we want to enter into Kirtaniya Sada Hari, continuous chanting of the holy names, and truly find out what is Krishna Nam, what is Ram Nam, then we have to develop this kind of mentality. So, to wrap up this series, we've discussed how one of the primary qualities of the Vrajvasi psychology is their complete selflessness. So this is our aspiration. And to be able to do this, we really have to embrace fully the fact that Krishna is the center. Uh, and also remember that he is more to us than God. But, but we really do have to have this understanding in, on a deep level that Krishna is the center. And that, and that, that will manifest naturally in our ac actions too. And our, our sadhana will help us in that direction. The more we, we uh, embrace our sadhana, commit to our sadhana, and go, go deep into our sadhana, it will help us develop such a psychology, and, and especially the more our relationship with Krishna develops. And an especially powerful and recommended practice, as we know, is our kirtan in its various expressions, but especially nam kirtan, which is both the means and the goal, the sadhana and the sadhya. As we know, as we heard previously, the Vrajvasis also seen kirtan as an expression of their love for Krishna, always thinking about him. So to be able to embrace kirtan always, to really embrace that, we need to develop also these other qualities um, that the Vrajvasis have in their psychology, in our approach to the Holy Name, in our approach to other Vaishnavas. And so that, that's given in, in the th third verse of the Shikshashtakam. And so, so much more could be said on just these qualities we've discussed of the Vrajvasis uh, that we're exploring. And of course, there are so many other beautiful characteristics of the Vrajvasi psychology that we could learn so much from. Uh, and maybe that could be explored in future series. But hopefully, um, this, this will be a good jump start uh, for what we're hearing or reading about when we, when we uh, hear about the Vrajvasis. Hopefully, when we hear these things, we can, we can find different ways that we can apply that to our own, their psychology, to our psychology, uh, and, and helping our progression in that direction. Um, and of course, it, it, it will take time, but we should, we should certainly be aware of these things and, and contemplate these things also. And so with that, um, I, I'm going to conclude. And I'd, I'd especially just like to end, I, um, to thank, thank Ananga Mandri for her patience in translating, a really wonderful service. And also thank all of you for being with us for the series um and yeah please accept any apologies um please accept my apologies for any mistakes i made um uh, and yeah i guess i'll open up for any questions comments or corrections on anything realizations these kind of things and um yeah Hare krishna so if you'd like to unmute yourself if you'd like to share anything please do Oh, I see this. Okay, please.
Mm. Okay. So I, I'll repeat, repeat the question uh, briefly because um, I think it doesn't translate through to Facebook with the streaming. So, so uh, the question asked was, um, there, there are books like Govinda Lilamrita, Ujwala Nilamani and, and others um, that, uh, you know, obviously contain so much about the Leelas, for example, and these things. And so at what point can we really approach these books um, uh, and uh, draw from them for inspiration and these things? Um, and so to, an to answer that, I, I mean, first off, I should say um, is, is the, me personally, they're beyond my adhikar in terms of um, to be able to say you should read this here, then and every, everywhere. But I'll, I'll try to share what, how I've understood um, I think, uh, first, the first answer, you know, which I'm sure, um, you're well aware is, is ideal is to ask those who know you well. And if you have, you know, your guru, it's good to ask your guru, um, that they'll be able to advise, um, but also other senior Vaishnavas around you, you know, would this be good? But in a general sense, I would say it's going to be different for every devotee. But it, it will it will really um, depend on, I guess, your ability to digest those things. And that that's why so much a lot of emphasis is placed on having a proper conceptual orientation to these things. So that that's why, for example, in this series, we were emphasizing about Krishna being the center, for example. So in a similar way with these kind of leelas and these things, this is why good guidance is, is really recommended because um, when, when you hear these things from Vaishnavs who, who are realized in them um, and can explain them in the proper way, it can protect us from, from projecting uh, our material conceptions on them. But I, I think at a certain point, uh, you know, that then there, there may be a, 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 a real strong desire, for example, an inspiration, oh, to, to read these things, not just out of, um, you know, uh, okay, I just want to enjoy reading them for, for our sense gratification or these things, but to nourish things. But I think they will come uh, a little, little further along in the path. Um, and, and, and it would be shown quite clearly through, through your own guides uh, like this. That, that would probably be the way I would approach it personally. Like, as I say, I've not, I've, I've not personally um, dove deep into them myself. But I tend to, I, I, but I have heard a lot from them by hearing from senior Vaishnavs. So that, that I think is a really good um, way to approach it while we're still kind of getting our ground in the Shastra. And especially before Nishta, if we don't find that we are at the stage of Nishta or further, then, um, then it's probably safer to relish those things and gain inspiration by hearing the Qatar about them from, from our seniors and, and these kind of things. So. I think that's how I would approach that. I, I hope that's that's helpful. Um, is there anything um, else? Anything anyone would like to bring up? Okay. So I, so thank you again for being here, and. Um, yeah, I hope hope you enjoy the the rest of the Kartik series and uh, um, 
we got we got some fun ones coming next next month too. Very very much looking forward to to hearing those. So have a lovely lovely uh, rest of your day and see you again in the not too distant future. Hopefully, Hare Krishna. Bancha kalpa trubhyas cha kripa sindhu bhi evicha patita nam bhavne bhyo vaishnavi bhyo namo namaha.